Hello, everyone, and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by Tom. Hello. And Vice Stu. Uh, you, ju- you just about managed to say hello to everyone there, Chris. Just about, yeah. <laughs> you got the words out. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> welcome to the 151st edition of Back of the Grid, which I'm just mentioning for the sake of it, nothing to do with the fact that we forgot it was 150 last week. is <laughs> a nice number. Let's so- celebrate that instead. It's all about numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the numbers episode. We're here to preview the Turkish Grand Prix, which we've kind of been doing all season, but we actually get mm. to do it for real this time. Mm. Uh, but we'll do a few little newsy bits, predominantly calendar stuff beforehand. Uh, starting with another new race on the calendar, uh, Saudi Arabia starting next season. It's going to be a night race, we think taking place in November, probably the penultimate race of the season before Abu Dhabi. It's going to be a street race in the city of Jeddah, which is on the Red Sea coast. Uh, we're probably only going to be there for a couple of years before they move to a permanent uh, purpose-built circuit, which they're hoping to have ready for 2023. Um, but yeah, another another new race and another street race. We haven't got mm. a look at what the circus action would be yet. Um, there was an amazing quote in the press release that said something along the lines of, it's going to have a mix of long straights and twisty sections. It's going to be mm-hmm. such a unique circuit. <laughs> like, wow, yeah. Oh, wow. Real yeah. real unique there, guys. You're really pushing the boat out. Yeah. Sounds like a racetrack. <laughs> it sure does sound like a racetrack. Um, mm. But yeah. Interesting. Um, Interesting choice of country. It is. I mean, you only have to have watched one race this season to see that um, Aramco have been plastering their logos on every surface you can put a logo on for the entire season. Uh, and the fact <laughs> that they are a Saudi Arabian oil company is, uh, you know, I'm sure has nothing to do with this announcement <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> on one hand, new braces are always fun to see. Don't think we need another street circuit on the calendar. No. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm mm. not. Mm. Indifferent. <laughs> Very indifferent. I mean, it's going to have straights and corners. What more can you ask Exactly, for? yeah. yeah. Um, we know it's not going to be a drag race. We can confirm that. <laughs> and we know it's not an oval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird one. Like, it's not... No, no one's been asking for this race, put it that way. Um, I mean, how do you guys feel about it off the back of the fact that Formula E's been there a couple of times and had a couple of races there? Cause yeah, so, is it the same circuit? Uh, no, it's no, a different city. It's, it's different city, but I mean, the the controversy is the country, isn't it? Not the, not the circuit itself. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, obviously there's money there, isn't there? So that's the reason they go. I think there's some irony though in an electric sport going to a country that's an oil country. Money yeah. comes from oil. Mm. <laughs> there's some irony there, I think. But I mean, th- those races from memory were were decent races. I mean, and I don't remember there being. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a justified thing to just go there, but I don't remember there being as big of an issue when Formula E decided to go there, but. I guess F1 probably puts a bit of a bigger spotlight on it. Yeah, With no disrespect to Formula E, I think Formula One will put a bigger spotlight on the issues, like socially. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you look around on the internet, like most 
big sort of newspapers and news channels and stuff have articles about the fact that this is happening and i don't remember most of them having a similar article when formula e went there um yeah yeah big well i mean it's just categorically not as big as formula one is it it's, it's not yeah. as old as formula one it's not as big a force in the world as what formula one is isn't it? you know you can't really deny that as great as the sport is it's it's just not got the same backing yeah that formula one's got and i think mm-hmm. that uh, from the sort of point of view of people who don't think they should be racing there that is all the more reason why we shouldn't because it does you know put a bigger spotlight on a country that a lot of people don't think uh spotlight should be put on for various reasons um speaking of formula re actually um hazel southwell who you remember was on our podcast last year i think he was now um she put an article on racefans.net today which is uh very interesting because she uh, has obviously been there twice now for the Formula E races as a as both a woman and a very outspoken member of the LGBTQ community. I think it's fair to say two things that aren't particularly um, not very Saudi Arabian. <laughs> no, they they they. Uh, I mean, women were only allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia the week before the Formula E event first happened there, which sort of shows how. Um, uh, mm how unbalanced that side of things is um but she was is actually kind of in favor of this happening um one interesting thing in this article she points out is that when formula e went there formula e from the very start said if we're doing this this race is treated and run exactly the same as any other race in the calendar like nothing changes we don't make any sort of extra uh, stipulations because it's happening here and because of whatever rules you come up with it has to be run exactly the same so that meant women could attend the race and all the grandstands were mixed gender and things like that um they even went one step further and had a test session there after the race i believe it was where they said to all the teams um you can run one car in this test session or if you get a female driver, you can run a second car. And you had this feel, I think it's eight or nine female racing drivers uh, drove yeah. a test session there, which on one hand kind of feels a bit of a publicity stunt to kind of help Saudi Arabia promote that, look, we're progressive, we let women drive now. But at the same time, any other country could have done that. And the fact that they actually went ahead and did it is is a positive thing. Yeah, I, I guess like, it's, I suppose, like what a good way of lo- one way of looking at it is to say that you know there are sort of issues in 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 these kinds of countries, and it's a way of shining a like you wouldn't necessarily know about these kinds of issues unless like a big sport like Formula One or Formula E did go there. So it, it kind yeah. of raises awareness of like maybe what what we perceive as problems there are. And it sort of opens up the eyes of the world and shines a light on those issues and increases pressure on them to solve them, yeah. I guess. I mean, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing because it's not there to to glorify anything that's going on, is it? It's just, But if anything, it might help because it might make people who had no idea going into this why some people were a bit taken back by the fact that, we, that there's going to be a race there it might open some eyes to what actually does happen there and, and give a bit more insight to it to help provoke a bit more change. So, I mean, there's definitely positives that can come out of it. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the phrase that's often used is sports washing. It's kind of using sport to 
promote a version of uh, your location that doesn't cover these things. But that's never going to be the only voice, is it? Like, no. I mean, well, I mean, that's obvious immediately. Like, as soon as this was announced, the internet was full of discussions about whether this should be happening at all. Um, so F1 released a kind of statement uh, very quickly because they obviously knew this was coming. Uh, they said, we take our responsibilities very seriously and have made our position on human rights and other issues clear to all our partners and host countries who commit to respect human rights in the way their events are hosted and delivered. Um, I guess the thing is, like, this kind of clashes with the whole we race as one thing and reading that statement if it only goes as far as the way the event is hosted then that feels like a bit bare minimum to me whereas if you're actually using this to try and actually push things forward and actually make change then as you say i think it can be a force for good and we had a an interesting message in the inbox as well from uh ryan f1 who said there's been a lot of talk surrounding the Saudi Grand Prix, but do you feel similarly towards other questionable races? Uh, he mentions Turkey, Bahrain, China, and the UAE. Um, I know I do. And if we stand against one, we have to do so with all of them, which is a really good point. Yeah. Like this, It's not like F1 only goes to places that have the most rosy, perfect reputation in the world. Like, yeah. It always has and always will visit lots of different countries that have uh, lots of different issues of their own. So, yeah. Well, that's part of the, that. That comes with the territory of being a global sport, I suppose, doesn't it? Like you, it does, yeah. Yeah, there's no two countries are the set are the same, so you're always going to have um, differences of opinion on what sort of what's right and what's wrong across mm. across different territories around the world, aren't you? So you can't you you can't please anyone. Although, like you know, that's not to excuse sort of what yeah what happens <laughs> at all, but um. Yeah, I guess you just can't please everyone. That's, the, that's <laughs> kind of where I'm going with it. But. The argument's always going to be, oh, F1 isn't political. We just go to where we go because we yeah. go racing there. And I, that always seems a bit naive to me. Like, you can say it's not political as much as you like, but ultimately people in the country's hosting yeah. races are mean, going to use it politically. Like, it's, it, it is political. <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir Putin's not turning up with two laps of the mm-hmm. race to go every year <laughs> just for the fun of it. <laughs> like, yeah, for banter. Oh, I, I really like the F1. I love the last two laps of the race. Every year, they're my favourite He's just so busy. Laps. He'd love to be there for the whole thing, but he's just so busy. Yeah. He can only ever make it there in time for lap 58. It's a real shame. Yeah, <laughs> to be weird. fair, any season other than this one, the last two laps are the only important ones anyway. <laughs> <laughs> First lap, last lap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, first lap, last lap, let's go with that. <laughs> so I think F1 would be naive to just think, to, to do the whole, oh, we're not political thing. Like you have to be aware that you are being used politically, but as long as you are being aware of that, then it can be a positive well, thing. I, don't, I think like, I think once you become aware, once you admit that you're aware that you are being used as a political tool, then... You, the responsibility is then with you to act upon yeah. that knowledge, yeah. isn't it? That's the thing. If, as soon as they say, you know, we, we're being used a poli- as a political tool, then they, they've got to wipe off the venues of the calendar. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and as soon as they do that, they stop getting revenue from a lot of these places that give them a hell of a lot of revenue. So, it, 
it's a really i mean obviously it would be, you're absolutely right it'd be so naive to to believe that formula one isn't used as a political tool i mean you just have to look at i think uh, who was it boris johnson showed up at red bull's garage during the general election a few years ago but Formula One's not a political tool, though. And Christian Hunter has been one of the ones saying, no, no, we're not political. But also, yeah, if you want to come and have a little political thing at a factory, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's... The whole thing is... Uh, there's just... I mean, we're getting... In, I don't really want to get into all the politics and stuff of Formula One because we're here to talk about the sport and the racing at the end of the day. Um. So, I don't know. Do you want to... Shall we... Um, well, yeah, I mean, it- to bring you back to a sporting thing... Like even all of the the controversy aside, from a pure sporting point of view, I don't think this is a race that anyone really wants, other than the people that are gonna make money out of it ultimately. Yeah, no, yeah, no one asked for a race here. Did like it's not like I mean they do all these fan forums and things like that, and you know I don't I don't recall ever seeing any sorts <laughs> of those fan forums that. Anyone was yeah. crying out for a race in Saudi Arabia. Like, if anything, people were crying out for races at more traditional circuits, like Silverstone yeah. and Imola, and um, you know, you name it. <laughs> like, you name yeah. it, a classic F1 track. People are crying out for races at those. So, why they felt the need? I mean, it's, well, it's, I mean, it's just obvious to everyone why they're going to this country. It's because there's money yeah. involved, isn't it? It's as simple as that. There's, there's just no denying that. No, not at all. I mean, I'm sure there are a number of people in Saudi Arabia who are very, very excited that their race is coming to that country. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's always going to be the case everywhere. But, I mean, I'd be excited if a race was going on the street outside my house, but it ain't going to happen. And yeah. <laughs> the difference between the two places is one of them is throwing a lot of money at it, unfortunately. Well, I think, like, yeah, um, if it was about the fans, then we would be going to a place... We'd we'll, we'll be restoring one of these excellent races that we've had on the calendar again, like Portimao or, like, yeah. like Imola, like um, Tuscany. Uh, oh God, I, I keep calling it Tuscany, and it's not Tuscany. It's bloody... <laughs> Magello. They called it the Tuscan Grand Prix, but it's Magello. Yeah, it's yeah Magello. they've just messed up with my brain. Yeah, and I would be going back to Turkey. Granted, Turkey maybe doesn't have the best human rights record either, but at least they've got an awesome track that people want mm. to see cars going around. Yeah, uh, that's. I think that's what stings the most to me about this sort of decision to go there. It's no one asked for it. It's not really with the fans in mind. It's just it's it's very transparently. No matter how you dress it up, it's it's about revenue for the sport yeah and yeah you, you could say you know the sport doesn't run without revenue but i'm sure with the business model they've got they there are plenty of cooler better places that are pulling a better crowd a more spendy crowd well, than than, I'm, than I'm, this one I don't yeah know. i mean pers- perspective comes from do you have a single circuit that pays x amount whatever the amount may be to host the race, but actually makes nothing in terms of revenue? Or do you have a more traditional circuit, get two, maybe 300,000 people through the gates over a course of a race weekend that then also spend yeah. money on merch? Because merch I, I know 100% I've never, ever walked away from a day at a circuit without at least a t-shirt, <laughs> a, a uh-huh. minimum, at minimum a fifty quid hat. <laughs> you're, the, yeah, you're the guy walking around but, but with the sixty how many quid people? pink Hamilton hat on, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> how, but how many people are walking around in 
a yeah, team hat, you do a team see shirt, so many. It's team, true. team trousers, team bags. Like people are wearing stuff all the time, and uh, the vast majority <laughs> have bought the thing that they're wearing at some point that weekend. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Ne- never a truer word spoken than people are wearing stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be illegal if they weren't. <laughs> it'd be, be a very dodgy. different race experience. Dep- well, it depend- depends on the venue, doesn't it? Um, it yeah. does feel like they F1 did an amazing job of turning this season into something that's been yeah. really positive doesn't and enjoyable. And I know that at the, at the point they end up bringing all these unexpected tracks on the calendar it was probably already too late to make any sweeping changes to 2021 and obviously they have contracts in place blah 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 but at this point in time it feels like they haven't learned any of the lessons from this year that we all hope they would now i'm happy to give them time to maybe learn some of those lessons in the coming years but right now it doesn't feel like they are which is it's a real shame I think. I, I think. I think with that, we maybe need to hold breath just a little bit to 2022. Yeah, yeah I because think so too. I, I think on that front that you've already said it, but there'll be a number of like fallout clauses involved that because races didn't happen this season, no matter what the contract was after 2020, that's all been shifted to 2021, and you'll probably find that that's a huge part of it. So that because. Well, we'll get into it, I guess, shortly. But like that calendar is basically what should have happened this year, isn't it, for next season? So, I yes. think that's fundamentally why is because everywhere that should have hosted a race this season will be contractually into next season. Exactly, so there's yeah. probably very little they can change about 2021. Should we get into the 2021 calendar? Might as well segwayed. So it looks like it's going to contain a record 23 races. Uh, as you said, so it's essentially what would have been this year's calendar. Um, all the usual suspects. With the addition of Saudi Arabia. With the addition of Saudi Arabia. Um, still going to have the turn to Zanvoort that should have happened this year. Um, we think the Dutch Grand Prix is going to be moving to the autumn because on this year's calendar, it was like third race, I think, wasn't it? But we think that's going to now get nudged back towards autumn and be a triple header with Belgium and Italy then another triple header of Singapore, Russia, and Japan later in the year. Um, Brazil is still a little bit up in the air. There's sort of ongoing disputes with the organisers at Interlagos. And then there's also organisers in Rio de Janeiro who are claiming they've got a deal in place for next season, despite the fact that they don't have a circuit and haven't started any work on a circuit. A circuit that also is... Well... (laughs) I mean, yeah, that would be yeah. preferable to the one they're planning, which is coming up against some pretty hefty op- opposition from... It's it's kind of a nice combination of environmentalists and F1 fans and just general members of the public who, who all seem to think the idea of um, cutting down 200 acres of rainforest that's home to a load of endangered species to build an F1 circuit, maybe not the best move. Uh, yeah. Mm, maybe. <laughs> and, you know, to sort of go back to... Uh, Saudi Arabia briefly like so far all the drivers have been pretty silent most of the teams have kind of towed the F1 line Um, when it comes to this Rio thing I know Lewis Hamilton has spoken out against it and I don't think he's the only person kind of in the upper echelons of motorsport who have publicly said 
we probably shouldn't be doing this. I think Hamilton actually said, we don't need another racetrack, let alone one that involves going down a rainforest. Yeah, there's plenty of racetracks these days. It's 2020. It was 2020. <laughs> exactly. For yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, there is. And there's, there's a number that you could make um, F1 tier acceptable as well. Yeah. With well, not, not only that, there's not there's a huge a, amount of work. The, 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 we've proven this season that there's plenty that are already F1 tier. Yeah, there's and a surplus. We don't go to. Yeah, there's, a, there's mm. actually a surplus of F1 tracks. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I guess. We, please, please, I, ho- I hope they don't do that. I really hope they don't do that. I mean, you'd have to be a monster to want that, wouldn't you? Oh, we'll just kill all these animals' habitats so that we it's can. It's just so have a race. It's just so blind to the world. Like the fact that F one are even entertaining these discussions is a step too I'm far. I'm very surprised like, by it. Yeah, yeah I'm really surprised, especially especially given the management these days. Like the management are much more forward thinking than the old management. Yeah, and... it really surprised me. Um, yeah, are you just trying to say Bernie would have cut the trees down regardless? <laughs> Bernie would have had a... <laughs> out there with an axe himself. <laughs> Bernie would have been out there in the machinery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be sat in a golden digger, in a golden <laughs> digger, digging up all the trees, killing all the orangutans with a machine gun or something. Absolute <laughs> renegade. A cigar in his mouth. Renegade. Massive cigar. <laughs> his glasses. Sorry, I've just got a really dark picture in my head of what's going on there. Should we've we've all experienced it now as well, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> move on from that one Chris <laughs> I guess the other big question this calendar brings up is how many races is too many races 23 races is potentially too many races I think 23 is too many as well I thought 22 was too many that we were going to have this year to be honest yeah, with you yeah. it's, on, it's on the limit <laughs> it's definitely right on the limit 22 is on the limit 23 is like oh yeah, that's a hard um that's a hard season, I can tell you. Yeah, it's already a hard it, it, season. It's at what point as well does stretching the calendar out over a longer period become unfeasible? Because it's all well and good like kind of pushing a little bit into December, like what we're looking at doing at the moment. And it's all right kind of maybe starting a little bit earlier at the end of February when you go into places like Australia that are in summer at that time. So it's it's feasible, but then Where's the downtime? Where's the off time? Like most sports are six months ish, maybe maybe nine at a push, and you're getting very close to F1 being a literal calendar year for a season. Mm. Mm, yeah, well, you got yeah, I mean, you got nearly three months. Do you remember you got all, all, most of August off as well? So yeah, I mean, maybe the spread would make it actually more manageable. I don't know, but mm. I think the summer break makes it much more difficult than what it. it it could be really. I think. Yeah. The, the aim for they, from where I'm sitting, I feel like the aim is probably to cut down that summer break a little bit, and um, they could probably shave a week well, out of that, and and probably you know start the season a week later and finish it a week earlier as well. Yeah, and if you're squeezing Zandvoort in in amongst um, Italy and uh, Belgium, uh, Spa and Monza, then. I mean, you, you, they don't need to be a triple header. You could bring them a little bit earlier and eat into that summer break a little bit, like you say. Because Spa is usually the traditional 
reopener of the season, isn't it? After the August break. Yeah. To pull that earlier. <laughs> like, it's, it's not... It feels painfully obvious sometimes how to yeah. stop. Just put them in like a sensible order as well. <laughs> would the, help. The hard, yeah. the, the hard thing is, though, like, they obviously everyone wants that holiday during August. So, like, everyone in the teams, at least, wants that holiday yeah. in August. Um, yeah, well... Uh, Toto Wolf has said that Mercedes are going to look into sort of rotating staff and exactly how many staff they actually need to have at races. Um, he said he basically said that these Dublin triple headers are, are not good for people. Um, he said there will be a core team that unfortunately needs to do it, but we have to reorganise ourselves back at base in terms of regeneration time for these people because I think mm. that could quite uh, that could be quite difficult both physically and mentally. Yeah. And it is, it's like a triple header is like the best part of three weeks away from home for every person in every team. Well, that's yeah. minimum, isn't it? You yeah. got to think about like, I mean, it's, it's, it's Wednesday to Sunday full on because they are from hmm. Wednesday, but then the Monday, Tuesday in between is essentially long haul traveling. And it's, yeah. it, I mean, yeah, fair enough. A lot of the countries are close together, which is why they're back to back, but it's still, very, I can imagine how very exhausting it would well, be. It's not even that, Tom. It's the it's the hours that they have to do when. Well, yeah, they're not doing a normal. Well. Like, it's not like they're just clocking in at nine a.m. and then clocking out no, at five like, p.m. like a lot of the world. Really long hours. It's hard yeah. work. It's bloody yeah. hard. It's very work. physical as well, depending on what area of the team you're in. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Not, well, for, it's for not those... even just the teams either. It's all the F1 staff as well. They're all working yeah. crazy, crazy long hours as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's, there's so think many people. Is sort of, probably too many. It is. It's like, especially when like after all these long hard days that they do. You know, a lot of people out there work lots of jobs which involve very long hard days. But the vast majority of them, at the end of the day, you get to go home to your family. And all of these people yeah. out on the road, at the end of the day, they go back to a hotel room and then wake up and do the same yeah, thing yeah. again the next day. And it's. It is asking, especially as we're coming up to all of this cost-saving uh, stuff, all of these budget caps. Like that's got to limit the amount of people you can employ. Uh, it's uh, it gets to a point where you're asking too much of people, I think, and we are approaching yeah. that number for sure. And yeah. I think it's. <laughs> I also think, from a spectator point of view, it's kind of diminishing returns as well, like. The more often you watch a Grand Prix, the less special they feel. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know about you guys, yeah. I felt a little bit of that this season just because, although it's less races because they've packed them in so tightly, it kind of, we watch the race on a Sunday, we record a podcast on a Monday, and then it, a few days later, we're gearing up for the next race, and it's kind of a bit like, yeah. here we go I again mean, sort of thing. I mean, I'm, well, yeah. Imagine, imagine <laughs> working there, mate. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I yeah. worry that it's going to, it takes away from what makes a Grand Prix a special thing if it's happening every other, I mean, you know, 23 races, that is practically every other week. Yeah, if it you sort of takes over your yeah. life. It takes over your life. Like, mm. if um, the, 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 I think this season's been really, really hard. Of, of the, <clears throat> excuse me, of the, of the seasons I've done, this one has definitely been the most intense because it's just it's been it really has been quite non-stop. There's been a lot of records broken this season as well, and 
it's yeah there's it's just it's been really 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 intense there's been just so much to do there's not been a day gone by when there's not been some kind of at least preparation for like the next record being yeah. broken yeah kind of thing so plus i guess every yeah, one of these new tracks as well involves like that much more stuff as well yeah from- that side well yeah, yeah you got you're doing like circuit guides you're doing sort of features about when you know when the when things happened there before we do we do a lot of top tens about sort of top 10 moments you forgot or five top five moments you forgot matt there's um uh there's like top 10 radio messages sometimes <laughs> and things like that like there's just <laughs> all sorts of all kinds of top 10 content and yeah it's it's just an, it's a never ending it's like mining like it's just a never ending <laughs> face of of coal that's to be dug away and and content and sent coal. out to the world yeah content yeah. coal Top 10 <laughs> content lists. mining it's content mining as well <laughs> but um obviously i'm not comparing us lot sitting in nice off well niceish offices um <laughs> uh at computers not using our hands all that much using our brains a lot to actually digging coal out of a mine <laughs> that's a lot harder <laughs> my dad would tell you but still <laughs> it's 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 in it's, it's it's mentally it takes its toll i think mentally like i i you know i've seen so i've seen things <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what i've seen <laughs> <laughs> thanks for bringing the toil of top 10 lists to like yeah. Stu. <laughs> I mean, you know, anyone, if you, you just have to go on the Formula One YouTube page and see the number of top tens on there. I feel yeah. sorry for the top ten producers. I mean, to be fair, you just have to go on the internet and 90% of it is top ten <laughs> list these days. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not just a problem with Formula One, is it? It's endemic no. in the internet. It's the, yeah. It's the internet. People, people like a top ten, though. People do like people love a top ten in general. So, yeah. <laughs> I think the whole giant calendar thing is especially jarring when you look at some of the races on that calendar as well. Like, yeah, we've, you know, especially with like, we've got more races than ever and yet we can't find room for Turkey or Imola or Portimao or whatever, but we've still got Sochi and Barcelona and all these other tracks that everyone's rubbing their hands together waiting for. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of chaff on the calendar currently <laughs> yeah not a lot of meat no um so i, I meant to ask earlier while we're still well, i mean it's still relevant because we're still on the subject of races and calendars what which which uh, circuit would you prefer to see on the calendar to saudi arabia most <laughs> i mean you've got i mean there's a lot of choice at the moment because we remember we're, we're yeah. replete with formula one graded tracks on earth at the moment so I mean, take your pick. Uh, to be fair we don't know what the track there is going to be like yet it might be great no and the one there true. the permanent one they're talking about building in time for 2023 is supposedly going to be even longer than spa um whether that's a good thing or a bad thing time will tell but it's going to be a bit of a colossus of a track they're building but all that being said honestly any of the new additions that we've had this season i'd happily stick any of them on the calendar in place yeah. of that or a few others portimao i think was my would be my shout that's been from the standout what, one from what's been yeah on, that's been yeah, a very from, good one from what's been on this season definitely portimao yeah is right up there it's a cracking circuit 
Um, I don't know if it was just chance that gave us a really good opening to that race, and it did calm down a lot through the middle. But it's such a wide track; it was there were people overtaking in places where you wouldn't necessarily expect people to be overtaking. So there's definitely lessons to be learned from that track. Mm-hmm. If they're building a new track, the yeah. problem is they won't be able to. If it's a street circuit, they might not be able to implement a lot of lessons that have been learned from some of these tracks that we're revisiting or visiting for the first time because you don't necessarily have the space to work with so maybe if they're building if they are building a whole new facility somewhere in saudi arabia for them to go to then it you know it could turn into another circuit of the americas which is a proper greatest hits of mm. tilgadromes and yeah if it if it does become that if they do it right if they make a, if they've got like a, a literal desert that they can do whatever they want with and build an awesome racetrack, then I guess it stinks less <laughs> that they're having a race there. Um, but I think to to put a street circuit on sort of just for the sake of having a race in Saudi Arabia, to cobble together a race there, which it feels to me like they have, it does, I think yeah. is a bit short-sighted. I don't really see the point. It's, it's very obvious that they want to get there as soon as they can, despite them building a whole new facility. For 2023, I think they're, they're planning on going. Yeah, it, it, so... it's kind of. It sounds like either they couldn't get the permanent one ready in time, so it's like, oh, well, we still want to race, we'll cobble together a street circuit, or it's we're not 100% sure if this is going to be worth all the money, so let's do a street circuit and see how that yeah. goes before we commit to building a giant track. Um, yeah. I think the, the difference there, though, is. A street circuit is always going to get way better attendance than yeah. a uh, than a than a than a you know a circuit that's miles and miles out of town. Because and obviously, maybe... if you bring the race to the people, that's why Formula Formula E is so successful. They bring mm, the races yeah. to the people rather than expecting the people to come to the races. So, and maybe that's the thinking. Mm. Like we're we're introducing the sport to a fairly new audience. Let's literally put it on their doorstep to start with, so they can't miss it miss it to, yeah and then you get a couple of years of building up the interest in it before you ask people to actually commit to traveling to a another yeah. location for it i just don't think a couple of years is enough though no i'm not sure it, it is either. having having two races basically two weekends over over two years isn't enough to get people excited about that kind of event i think you need a long history yeah. at a place go there a lot and then get people you know you might have 10 years of the fans built up and then you then you sort of move it and put it onto another city. But then they don't have that kind of I guess they're they're not thinking this is the other thing. Like Liberty Media are not a company who are in this for the long term. They tend to take sports for like ten years, make them much more valuable and then sell them on. Yeah. And that this kind of like this feels like a quick book to me. It doesn't feel like a long term um decision. Yeah. Yeah, it's a money-making decision, isn't it? Yeah, it's, about, it's, it's definitely it, a financial ultimately decision. It's about, it, ultimately, it's about a sponsorship deal and money. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's painfully obvious that that's the reason we're going there. And it's, it's whether it'll hold up off the back of that, I guess. Well, you just they, they have to make a good circuit. I think to justify it, they mm. have to, if they do make it, or even the street circuit, they have to make it a really good street circuit and it has to be a really good race. It has to be worth the 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 effort of putting the cars on the track and pitting them all yeah. against each other. I think that's paramount. After that, then 
you know, whatever, like the most important thing should be, let's generate some good races. Let's, let's make a good show for the audience. And I think Baku proved that can be done. Like when it was first announced, everyone's going to Azerbaijan. A lot of people, myself included, sort of rolled their eyes the idea. But they actually did a good job of building an interesting circuit that produces good racing. And it's become one of the races that people tend to look forward to on the calendar. So it can be done if you are interested in investing the time and money into actually doing a good job of it. Yeah. My fear is at this point now, how far into the Liberty Media sort of tenure are we? It's a good question, actually. Um, Um, I want to say four years. Four years. So we're we're moving into those. I want to say this is the fourth season. I think it's more than that, isn't it? Uh, Late 2016, they signed the deal. Yeah. So this is the Ooh, yeah. this is the fourth the fourth this full year the I've fourth, been in charge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so we're moving into the we're almost finished four full years. We're, move, we're yeah. moving into the fifth year yeah. now. Um. Yeah. I'd, I don't know if this is a race that will. It'll probably make them a bunch of money for a few more years. So it's a good time for them to do it, but. Is it good for the sport, you know, 10, 15 years from now? I don't know. Is it a race people are going to look back fondly on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't even know the exact circuit yet, do we? No. No, we don't know. We know a rough so location. You can't, you, can't even, you can't even speculate because... I guess not. You, you don't even know what they're going to be driving around yet. It's... No, but... They're, they're always going to be limited, aren't they? They're going to be limited by whatever circuit the street map can allow. Like they're not, they're already restricted because they can't, you know, they won't be able to make, you're not going to be able to knock buildings down to make roads wider or anything like that if, if the learning is wider tracks generate better races. Yeah. So uh, I just, I don't know, the whole thing, I just don't like it. If I'm, re- if I'm going to be really, really honest, I just don't like that we're going to Saudi Arabia. I don't think it's right. But anyway. I think it's it's harder to take off the back of the season we've had with all of these really interesting yeah. classic racetracks and yeah, to then get, exactly. oh, we've got another new street circuit at a country that's got lots of money and it's just sort of... And again, we'll give them a chance. Like, as I said, Baku have kind of proved that it can be done in a good way and actually yeah. add something to the calendar. Yeah, Maybe I mean, they'll the, do given, that. Given as well the fact that we've already got so many races on the calendar... And thing. so many street circuits as well. Yeah. Like street Too circuits street used circuits. to be a novelty and now they're becoming like a significant chunk of the calendar. Like how many So it's Baku, Singapore, Monaco, um Vietnam, potentially, we don't know that for sure. It depends uh, on what lengths you go to as well, because technically Albert Park's a street circuit. Yeah, Albert Park is technically a street circuit. Yeah. Um, you looking at no, that's a... yeah, that's well, that's I mean, some of that's purpose built, but that's the same as Australia, the same as Albert Park. It some of it is publicly accessible park road. You're approaching mm, so... a depends on how you define it. You're approaching a quarter of the calendar being street. Oh, circuits. easy, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I know. I th- that feels that feels too much to me. Yeah, but. 
Hmm. Speaking of street circuits, um, Miami <laughs> was always originally supposed to be debuting yeah, just... in 2021. Um, F1 keeps saying that conversation is ongoing. The most recent thing they've said is that due to COVID, the plans are currently on hold but not dead. Um, this is my other. This is another point I've got. Sorry, you've just reminded me of it, and I'm going to yeah. dive into it right away. Hmm. They've gone to, so they've decided to go to Saudi Arabia. But haven't they been banging on about having more races in the USA for the whole time they've been in charge? From day one, pretty much, yeah. Literally from day one. And what have we got? We've got the race that Bernie Eccleston yeah. organized in uh, in the in Texas. In terms of yeah. like what Liberty came in saying they were going to do, I think that's definitely been their biggest failing so far. Yeah, like, and the the crazy thing is, you've got so many circuits around the USA that they could really easily go to without having to even without even having to build a whole new thing like they did in um, the Circuit of the Americas. Like, they didn't need to build that circuit. It's great that they did because it's a wicked track. But when you look at the like number of circuits around the USA, mm. um, and I'm not talking about oval circuits, I'm talking about like Grand Prix circuits. You know, Watkins Glen, you've got Road Atlanta, Road America. You've got so many amazing circuits in that place. Why don't they why don't they send for me one there instead of to middle of nowhere? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is a lot of those circuits aren't grade A, so they'd need some work to bring them up to scratch. But I think the other... Well, I don't say the other part is that they want to have races, again, take the racing to the people. But then again... Circuit of the Americas isn't that. That's a traditional circuit built outside of a city, and loads and loads and loads of people travel to go to that race. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they've Indy. tried and failed at a couple of street circuits now, haven't they? Yes, yeah. there was supposed to be the New York one as well, wasn't there? That that fell through. Yeah, that's never mm. going to happen. I mean, yeah, I mean, there is. If they went there, it'd be amazing. I mean, there's there's so many that maybe aren't all suitable for F1, but there's so many good tracks out out in that part of the world. Yeah. Like on top on top of the ones Sue's already mentioned, there's like Sonoma. Sonoma's yeah. awesome. Sonoma's a wicked track. Willow, yeah. Willow Spring. Yeah, did you say Willow Spring? Yeah. I didn't say Willow Springs. Yeah. Also a brilliant like, track. Did you say Sebring? Sebring? No, I didn't you pronounce see Sebring. It? Sebring's yeah. a great circuit. Sebring's a really yeah. good circuit. But I always enjoy I, watching I the too, sports cars around there. Probably for a Formula 1 car. Yeah. yeah. Probably yeah. shake it to bits, but still, like, it, and and I guess, like, the, the thing with that one is you don't want to take away the personality of the circuit just no. to let Formula just One cars go F1. around it. Yeah. yeah, imagine if F1 rocked up and said, "Oh, a race here, but we'll need to resurface the whole thing." <laughs> that would yeah, go down no, like a lead balloon. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, there's also the Indianapolis circuit they used to use. Like, I think that was yeah. a perfectly good circuit. They could probably use the Daytona road course. Um, yeah. The Long Beach road circuit that IndyCar uses, I think that'd be great. That'd be really fun to see. Yeah. Well, that's, that's like the same crossover that F one did use, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, the Long Beach one. Cross some crossover with IndyCar would be brilliant as well. Yeah, like, there's definitely room in the world in my. There's definitely room in my life to have Formula One and IndyCars going around the same circuit, not at the same time, but to go over the same weekend, like a joint weekend. Same, yeah, like a joint weekend kind of thing, like some sort of. Well, you definitely get a good mix of fans then yeah. as well. Like you, you get I mean, some really good crossover between the between the fan groups. I mean, how much interest does just 
a single driver moving across like when yeah. Fernando went to do yeah. the Indy. How much interest does that generate in both directions? Imagine, like you say, a race weekend where you've got maybe an enhanced race weekend, like it's slightly longer to, to accommodate for everything that goes on, but it involves both of those key sports. How many American indie fans are then suddenly going to look at F1 and go, you know what, this isn't quite what I, I thought it was. I'm, I'm interested now. And then vice versa. Because I'll tell yeah. you what, there's so many people in Europe that still assume that indie is just oval racing when it's mm. far from it. Yeah. Far from it. There's a, there's a degree could... of sort of logistics <laughs> involved, I guess. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not just going to happen overnight. <laughs> but, I mean, like... <laughs> As as a special event, even as a non championship event of some kind between the two of them, yeah, it would be. Like, you could do like one where very they come interesting over here. to see. You could do one yeah. where they come over to Silverstone, maybe, and then yeah. Formula One go over to Indy. That would be. <laughs> an, and it, imagine if they did it on the week of the Indy Five Hundred or something like that. It'd just be yeah. such a crazy event. It'd be brilliant. I mean, all I can imagine right now is. Indy cars straight lining maggots and beckets like when they just <laughs> decided to to make their own line at Texas yeah. the other year. <laughs> we don't believe in track limits. <laughs> we yeah. just go straight on. <laughs> yeah. Also, the cost involved in this is is probably yeah, oh, yeah. I'm astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But then if they're already in the state, if you, if F1 are at least already in the states at, a, at you know a particular time of year, so yeah, and there is crossover in terms of like we're in the states when. Um, when IndyCar season is still in full force, maybe even we go, you know, maybe there's a NASCAR crossover as well. Like NASCARs are awesome cars. Like I've seen, yeah. Um, I think Lewis Hamilton swapped with another NASCAR driver whose name I can't remember now. I can't think um, who it was. I know, I know, I know the. I've seen the piece that you're thinking of, though. Yeah, and um, like obviously, very, very, very different cars. And even NASCAR, they go around. They have street circuits. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, but not straight, sorry, they have infield circuits. They don't just do ovals. They they have the odd yeah. circuit. It's less than IndyCar, but they do have the odd circuit. That's not just an oval. It's a it's an actual, you know, proper race circuit. Yeah. Not just an oval, as though driving around an oval is easy. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, in, IndyCar has raced outside of America on a number of occasions. Like they've done races in Japan a few times. They've raced in yeah. Australia once or twice. Like it's not unheard of. I It'd mean, be great fun a... to see. There's a few Europeans involved in it now, though, as yeah, well. Yeah, like, I mean, there, pro- there probably always has been, but in in my like naive memory, it's probably one of the more European grids that you see, as, and especially in terms of drivers that do relatively well in the series as well, mm. and don't just kind like of end up stuck round the back. Yeah, and like I mean, Bordet's had a good time it's over there. Obviously, Alonso made a name for himself, even though he didn't end up yeah. having any success in it. Like, Max Chilton's Chilton. all right. Yeah. Marcus Ericsson's done pretty well since he went over there. Rosenquist, after he left FE. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, there's there's loads that have gone over there and had decent a decent time in recent memory. I think there's a so. semi-decent chance of us seeing... Grosjean and or Magnussen over there next year as well. Yeah, yeah that's two more Europeans. Well, they're both Haas I mean, drivers, aren't they? Yeah, so. Haas. They've got an American connection. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We've gone way off track there, haven't we? <laughs> I like it, though. Yeah. We've done the joker lap of this podcast. That's it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> Shall that's we, literally. three quarters an hour into this podcast, uh, start talking about Turkey? <laughs> yeah, let's. Yeah, why, why not? Um, shall I do some storylines? Let's go. Okay. Um, so, 
Hamilton. We're going to start with Hamilton. He will be champion this weekend if he finishes <laughs> ahead of Bottas. Sorry, that just sounded very presumptuous. He will be champion this weekend. <laughs> just cut it there. Yeah. Pause. <laughs> if he finishes ahead of Bottas. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's fairly self-explanatory. Um, will he finish mm-hmm. ahead of Bottas? Do we think? I think, he, I think uh, you know, given his performance at this circuit in the past, he's he likes it around here. So probably, yes. probably will. Yeah, he's won, he's won it once, so it's, it's it'd be a kind of an interesting place for him to get his seventh title because I feel like the race in GP two the year before Hamilton was in F one that was one of the first times I think a lot of people started to really take notice of him. Like yeah. it's it, it's been knocking around the internet the last couple of weeks. Uh, if you haven't ever seen it, go and find uh, Hamilton racing oh. in GP two. It's a phenomenal performance, and it's on the F one YouTube channel actually. They oh, is recently, it? Yeah, they've oh, cool. done a thing on it. Um, it's worth looking at. Yeah, and I think that was kind of one of the points in time where he really sort of planted his flag as like, I'm, I'm like I'm coming. I'm going to be one of the next big things. Yeah. So to sort of wrap up a record equaling seventh title at that same track would be quite nice, I think. There'd be poetry to it, wouldn't there? It would, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, title permutations. If he doesn't finish ahead, there are still lots of ways he can be champion. I think, Chris, you've uh, oh, man. You found a list. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at a said list, and there yeah, must be at least 15 to, different options we, on yeah, it. Buckle up. I'll, I'll tell you some of the, the more likely ones. I'll give you some of the more likely yeah. ones. Um, so, if Bottas wins with fastest lap, Hamilton can't be champion. But if Bottas wins without fastest lap, Hamilton can be champion if he's second. Um, and then it kind of runs down. The lower down Bottas comes, the sort of Hamilton yeah, needs to within a position down. or two, basically, behind him. Um, Ultimately, yeah, Bottas needs to um, extend. Well, he needs to close the gap, I should say, uh, to um, seventy-eight points. I believe is the only way he can keep it alive with one hundred and four mm. left to play for. But yeah, all, all signs point to championship being over. Yeah, yep. with three races to go, mm. but I mean, it's not over till it's not over till it's over. So it's not. You, you could have a retirement and then it's a different ball game suddenly. You know, you've closed that gap by 25 points with however many left what on the table, 75, 6, 7, 8 points on the table after this race. Um, So, you know, they're both due a retirement, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bottas, Bottas, Bottas has had a retirement this year, hasn't he? Yeah. Hamilton had, hasn't. Hamilton has had a retirement in... About a decade, it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> let me see when. Uh, um... I mean, just as you're looking that up, like, I think that to say that he'll win it and there'll only be three races left, that those words actually surprise me. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's so little of the season left at the point that he's about to win the title. And obviously, depending on circumstances, there is a possibility he might not, which would make it sound even weirder to say he'll, he'll win it with two races. Mm. Mm. And I, I guess in the condensed calendar that, like if you were to stretch that calendar back out, that would probably be more like four or five races, but still. 
I think yeah. it's more just how fast what we have had has has flown by. Yeah. Really well, yeah, because they've been one a week for the last <laughs> three months. Yeah, like um, how, how many? This this will be race fourteen, won't it? Yes. So 14. I mean, it, it's still it's still a shorter season than usual, but yeah, it doesn't feel it. <laughs> no, <laughs> doesn't feel it. Doesn't. Um, so Bottas retired obviously the Eiffel Grand Prix, um, the Nurburgring. Yeah. Um, Hamilton. Has only been off the podium once so far this season. That was the first race in Austria. Italy as well. Oh, and Italy, yeah. So yeah. seventh in Italy, yeah, at Monza. Yeah. Um, shouldn't have had a podium even <laughs> even Great Britain, should he? No. With his puncture. But... I've, I've found his last retirement for you. Do you want to know when it was? Yeah, I, I do. Already found Mal- it. it must be Malaysia. It was Austria 2018. Oh, yeah. Engine, wasn't it? Yep. And he that was has, the last time he retired. He's not only finished, but he has scored points in every race since then as well. Yep. That's, that's too mental, isn't that's it? That's two records he holds that he just is extending week on week currently. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, the one before that was Malaysia in 2016. I think that record of like scoring continuously scoring points week after week for that long is the is the true show of like what a talent he is. I yeah, mean, you can win championships. You can be great. You can be in a great car, but to be that consistent, consistency is—you hear it all the time. Consistency is key in Formula One, and there's yeah. no better model for consistency than that, is there? Not at all. Like, yeah, that's the thing. You look back at his absolute worst races, like this season, he came seventh. <laughs> like when everything yeah. went wrong for yeah. him, he finished seventh. That yeah. was—he um, went through the. Uh, he went into the pit when he shouldn't yeah. did he in Italy. That was yeah. That, that was the, that was due to the penalty. The yeah. Germany last year yeah. as well. Like he was literally off the road at one point in Germany last year. Everything went wrong for him as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Still finished ninth. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. <laughs> hey man. Um. Yeah, Bottas, however, has had a bit mm-hmm. of a, but obviously a less great season. Eleventh in Great Britain after his puncture. He's just had the worst look compared to Hamilton. Like he's not. Yeah. He's kept him honest for like a really big bulk of the season. I do think, yeah, I do think Hamilton maybe is due retirement. I wouldn't wish it on him at this track. I would like to see him win the championship at this track, actually. But I'd also, as an equal part of me, would like to see this championship stay alive for <laughs> yeah. at least at least one more race. Do we know if there's yeah. going to be? F- I know there's not going to be fans there this weekend. Do we know if there's? Gonna be actually no Bahrain. I think they've said there's gonna Bahrain, be. They won't be no. No, so it's not like he can wait until he's in front of a crowd to win his championship either. Because I mean, he can if he ta- intentionally tanks it a couple of times. he's not gonna. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. next storyline. Um, will past ever experience help the drivers who've raced at Turkey before? Um, is it that kind of track? Do you think? Um, I mean, I think there's a couple of bits, but they're completely different cars now. We, we, it's nearly 10 years since we raced, yeah. so got to bear that in mind. Hmm. The cars are so different. Um, I think that's the bigger thing, isn't it? Just the time and the difference in everything, basically. Um, hmm. There's yeah. only three on the grid that have been there before. Uh, Hamilton, Vettel and Perez were there in uh, 2011. Yeah. Hmm. 
I think turn eight obviously is going to sort the men from the boys. That's that was always the, the especially in these cars they're going to be pulling monster monster G around that corner in these cars. I, yeah. So that's going to be there's going to be some sore necks at the end of this one. There is, yeah. I think from a driving point of view, it's probably going to be easy flat for everyone. Like yeah. there was there was a time when going flat through turn eight was like a badge of honor, like it was a risk reward thing. Whereas in these cars, I think it's not going to be an issue for them. But yeah, from mm. a from a fitness point of view, it's going to be pretty punishing. I think yeah. you will yeah. see drivers leaning their heads on the yes. uh, yeah. on the headboards of the car sideways at this race. If you if you if you've never seen if you're one of our younger audience, you've never seen um, Formula One cars going around this track before. Then once you get probably halfway to sort of two thirds through the race, that's when you start to see sort of if you look at all the drivers' heads, if you can see them. Then you know, depending on the camera angles, then you'll be able to see the the, the helmets leaning out against the uh, outside of where the corners turning, where they normally they would normally lean their head into the corner, but because it's such a mighty turn, they um they just have to rest as they go through it. It's crazy. Yeah. In fact, some drivers used to have like a little cushion pad thing stuck to the side of the cockpit. Um, which other drivers, such as Jensen Button, used to take the mick out of them for. And they called these little cushions something that was uh, not able to be repeated on television. Oh. <laughs> what was it? I, I mean, if they can't be repeated on television, they're not, he's not getting repeated I suppose, on yeah, That's all I'm saying. That. It's not. I mean, I, send, me, send me a text, Chris, after the show. Hang on, <laughs> I write know. it I'll down. Put... Write it in the chat. Write it in the chat. Then we can just laugh yeah. at it. They, 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 people can gauge what, the, what it is by our reaction. I think I've got an idea, but... I like how Chris is like, Characteristically typing. Yeah, so everyone knows so that he's doing it. There you go. Still typing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's not too bad. Had, That's not too bad. I, I had a feeling it was going to be along those lines, knowing <laughs> that it was Jensen. Yeah. yeah. They're pretty old school, those guys, aren't they? Anyway, <laughs> midfield. Um, what's going on in the midfield? Well, Renault believe they're the quickest at the moment, and I think it's they probably are the quickest at the moment. But um, they don't have yeah. the two best drivers; they only have one of the best drivers. As as I keep saying, I keep. I mean, the midfield pack is just the gift that keeps giving, isn't it? It really like, is. Always um, a storyline. Where do we see it going this weekend? I think if McLaren can sort out their qualifying a little bit, they might mm. be a bit more in the hunt, but. Their qualifying's been a bit ropey for a few weeks now. Um, racing point have been slightly underperforming as well. It's so hard to call. It really is hard to call. Yeah. Uh, if I actually think this track might suit the Renault, to be honest, like the Renault is a pretty decent car through the quick corners and on the straights these days. So, yeah. and there's a lot of that. It's, yeah. it's probably going to suit the Renault if I had to pick I, one. I, but... Yeah, I think if I had to pick one this week, I probably would say the Renault, or the car ought to do well there. It's down yeah. to, it's really down to, I, one driver will definitely do well there. And I think Ricardo, it's the sort of track that he'll really, really like. But I think Ocon, he's had a quiet season, Ocon, and I, don't, I just don't know if he's... Um, it's a it's a really sort of tough track this, and I wonder if Ocon's at the same, not being quite at the same level as Ricardo. I wonder if he's um, maybe a little bit less up to the job than what Ricardo is. I don't know. Is that fair to say? 
I mean, it is given performance. Yeah, it's it's whether you whether that's just Ricardo being really good or whether it's Ocon struggling this season is mm. the hard thing. That's the to... perce- it's the perception thing, I guess. It's yeah, the, it that's is. the perception I yeah. have. Like from from watching the season unfold, like Ricardo's definitely you know a bit more chest thumpy, a bit a bit. It seems like the tougher character and and the, the fitter of the two. Mm-hmm. So. I just I I think Ricardo is absolutely going to have the. Be, it would take a lot, I think, for Ocon to beat Ricardo at this track. Yeah. Um, and obviously Renault need both drivers to be on it. So if Renault are going to maximise what they've got, which is a very good car at this point in the season, then they really need both drivers to be right up there. And I just don't know if Ocon's going to give them that this weekend. I mean, you got to remember as well, Danny Rick's climbed to fourth in the standings now, yeah. which mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Have, I mean, I wouldn't have expected at the start of the season with that car, uh, but they've gone from strength to strength. And I mean, I guess Ocon's probably still in that horrible sort of getting back into the rhythm of things, which has probably not been easy because of the nature of the season and being out of the mm, car true. for so long. But Very true. With with what the car's capable of, it's, it's kind of like when you start comparing Lance Stroll's position in the standings to Sergio Perez's. Like they've both got teammates ahead of them that are, well, Ricardo is definitely double the points ahead of Ocon, and Perez is pushing to be at like twice as far in front of Stroll, and Stroll's had like an abysmal time for the last what five yeah, races. Yeah, a, well, the last two. He got he got that, he got that podium. He got that podium in Monza, and then he's done. Nothing since, like yeah, almost that's literally my, that's nothing. My podium, that's my podium for the season. Yeah. Well, in, yeah. in terms of points, he has done literally nothing since the podium. He's had three retirements, um, the race he withdrew from, and a thirteenth. Hmm. Um, yeah. so I think all, run, it's literal yeah. pointless run from third. Yeah, all, yeah. all three of pointless these are so many levels. <laughs> yeah, all three of these, like midfieldy, well, in the fight for third in the championship teams. They all have one driver that's in need of a result. I mean, obviously we mentioned Stroll. Ocon in that same period has had two retirements, a seventh and an eighth. And then Norris is on a yeah. fairly ropey run as well. He's had, he was sixth in Tuscany, then 15th retirement, 13th, and then eighth in um, uh, Imola. So uh, all three of those need a result at the time when their teammates are kind of bringing yeah. home big points. Yeah, the interesting thing is those drivers. Uh, I think every one of those drivers are the worst. Like all three of those drivers who are in the lead won't be in those teams next season. It's weird, well, isn't it? Yeah, Ricardo's Carl, Carl, going to McLaren. Yeah, Perez Carlos is, is leaving. Uh, yeah. Perez is out. Carlos isn't in front of Lando in the standings, but he's obviously had the better. Yeah, he's had the better recently. recently. Yeah, yeah. recent <clears throat> thing. But like, still, like in the in terms of the championship. Yeah. Oh, over the, yeah. Carlos had the better run of form recently. Yeah, he's only. I mean, Strange, he's only isn't three it? points behind him. But, so Carlos could quite literally be ahead, <clears throat> quite easily be ahead of Lando at the end of at the end of the, I mean, this on Monday when we talk about this again. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I do think Sainz is going to end up finishing ahead of Norris this year. I do. Um, that would be really interesting if all three drivers who finish ahead of their teammates leave their teams of the midfield. Yeah, That's yeah. A crazy thing to happen. Like you don't see that very often. No. Odd I mean, 
the the winner in all that on on that basis would be McLaren then because they'll be trading in a sort of seventh or eighth place driver for a fourth place <laughs> driver in the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're and they're finishing with a almost you know a guy who's in his second season who is just going to get better and clearly going to get better and better. He's already had a podium. Yeah, yeah. His first race this season he had a podium. Norris. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, exciting times at McLaren. I mean, they're doing it. I'd say McLaren is still the team doing it the right. It's still a sport where you need the best drivers. I keep saying yeah, yeah. this week in, week out. I know it's boring, but you know they're, they're living proof. Like seventh and eighth in the championship, McLaren are. I think fourth in the construct. Yeah, fourth in the constructors. Uh, so, yeah, by a point. By one point. The- they're and they've got the, they probably don't have the best car of those three cars. I'd say right now the McLaren's definitely third place. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but the, you, they're also proof that you need the all-round package as well because yeah, for for someone like Seb and Kimmy to be languishing down the bottom with hardly any points, with less points than they'd get in a race most seasons after fourteen races. <laughs> Like they'd both mm. have outscored themselves in a single race last season. Um, yeah, well, I and think... for them to be languishing down there goes to show that it's it's not just the driver either. You you need that balance between definitely. Everything. Well, definitely. When obviously the further down the grid you go, the 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 more important it is to have a very good car. But I think in that yeah. mid in that midfield pack, I mean, like where it's all relatively even. Having the best drivers is absolutely making the difference for McLaren. There's no doubt about that, is there? Yeah. Um, in terms of Vettel, <laughs> Vettel's an interesting case this season. Vettel obviously is a much better driver than than what he's than what he's showing this season. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind about that, and so is Kimi. I think Kimi's probably had better seasons than this. But yeah, they're just both. They both seem to be maybe not less so for Kimmy, but they do both seem to be sort of going through the motions a little bit at the moment in their teams. Even though Kimmy's just signed a new contract to go there again for another season, but definitely, obviously, Vettel going to Racing Point next season. He's, I think, he knew he was out before the season even started. His heart has just not been in it since yeah. Brazil last year was probably the breaking point for Vettel when. They collided, didn't they? Him and Leclerc collided. Yeah, yeah, on the back straight down to turn yeah. four. Well, yeah. I think that was the point where Vettel was like, "Right, my time at my time at Ferrari's over." <laughs> yeah, especially given the way um, the sort of team reacted to it as well. It was if if it wasn't already clear that that team is a Charles Leclerc team, it was after that. Yeah. yeah, and let's you know, let's not forget about Ferrari. Actually, let's add, add another storyline in terms of where this midfield pack is. Leclerc in recent races has been actually showing himself. Move, he's been move, he's been pulling that car forward a bit. Oh so yeah, he's been great. You're definitely going to see, you know, from this point forward, moving towards the end of the season, that Ferrari probably interfering with that midfield battle much more, and and. You know, maybe costing a few of them some some points, which is going to make it even more interesting. It's so much. It's so exciting that midfield fight. It's great. Yeah. Um, anyone got any more to add to that bit before moving to the next one? No, go ahead. No. And final one is will in, will Istanbul Park produce a race worthy of the hype we've been giving it all year? I hope it does. <laughs> probably, probably not. Though. Yeah. Um, Knowing how we'll look. Probably. I don't know. Like, I think it will. I think like these 
these cars are kind of that long straight down to the double chicane that forms sort of part of the final corner. Um, I think these cars will be able to race down here. The, the big hole they punch in the air, the massive mm. DRS zone there's going to be up the hill. Like they'll be a, they'll be full throttle for a long time around this circuit. These cars. Yeah. So, I think we're going to get some good racing. I think so too. I like Chris, your optimism. Tom? I'm, I'm very oh, you, optimistic. You're less optimistic, Tom. I, I just know that I've built it up too much in my head. This is what <laughs> oh, happens. Oh, you feel like this is what, this is what happens all the time with everything in life. You build something up and then you just get totally let down. But we talk things down like um, I want to call it Tuscany now because of what you were saying. Earlier. Yeah, it's Miguelo, Miguelo, Miguelo. Yeah, when. When we're t- talking that down and saying, oh, don't think they'll be able to race here, we actually got something interesting out of it. Absolute banger of a so, race, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. So. so I'm going to say it's rubbish now <laughs> in advance, <laughs> well, and then I'd, I'll look forward to be proven wrong. Yeah, well, with all, <laughs> with all that in mind, let's, uh, let's, let's make some predictions, shall we? Yeah, let's. I'll, uh, I'll get you to nail something up. Um, right, fastest in Q3 for predictions. Um, Chris, we'll start with you. Just for what do you think? Just for funsies, do you want to know what happened last time there was a race at Istanbul Park? Oh yeah, that's. I fun. did. I did have a look earlier, but I now can't remember. <laughs> uh, fasting Q three was Sebastian Vettel. Surprise, surprise. Um, and the race was won by Sebastian Vettel, followed by Mark Webber and Fernando Alonso. Yeah, pretty much sums up 2011. On a 24 mm. car grid, remember that? Well, that was good old wow. days. Those oh, were the days. Yeah. Do you know who the most successful driver around here is? Uh, Massa, isn't it? Didn't he win the yeah. first like three yeah, years they were there? Yeah, he won, he won three specialist. back to back. Yeah. Kimi, Kimi won one, Massa won three, and then uh, I want to say it was Jensen Lewis Seb. Yeah, I think that's right. There. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and just for a form guide as well, Bottas was the fastest in the previous race. He qualified fastest in Q3. Yeah, it's qualifying has become a tricky one, hasn't it? Like the two of them are so close at the moment. Yeah, there's I not mean, a lot. In I it. mean, what we're learning is Bottas can get pull when it's not a full weekend. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to be a full weekend? Yes. It should so, be. Yes. <laughs> make of that what you will. Um. Hmm. Like we've seen Hamilton struggle to get to up to speed a little bit on some tracks this year, but I feel like he's not going to have that problem this weekend. So I'm going to go Hamilton. Nice, nice. Uh, Stu, what about you? Um, I am going to say Hamilton, and I'm just going to make it a straight three and uh, go Hamilton as well. Makes sense. Okay, so will he convert it into a win? Stew? Yes, I think he will. Oh, this is going to be the most boring weekend of predictions yeah. ever. I'm going with you. I'm going ham double. Chris? <laughs> the, uh, yeah, double, triple ham, I'm afraid. The double, triple ham. Not very often that happens, actually, no, in this game. No, it's, it's weirdly, it should happen more because <laughs> we'd all have yeah. a lot more points if we did. yeah um okay so first dnf um i'm going complete lottery at this point and i'm just gonna look at the standings and pick the first name my mouse hovers over (laughs) that's how how much faith i have in knowing what's gonna happen (laughs) at this circuit this weekend so driver's standings pow it's alexander albon oh Oh, no risky 
So I'm going Albon. That's mean. Gentlemen, Chris, you first. Nail in the coffin. As though the last race wasn't the nail in the coffin of Alex Albon's uh, well, season. Well, I, I mean, I said I was just going to scroll down the list with my eyes closed and wherever my mouse was. It's not my fault he's halfway down the standings, is it? <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> if anything, it's I his mean, fault he's halfway down the standings. Yeah. yeah he might be savage, yours, Tom. but it's fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for Verstappen again. Ooh, interesting. Verstappen, first DNF. Yeah. It's happened I mean, before. It yeah. <laughs> you, you two, honestly. It's so happened already two Red Bulls. You got two Red Bulls out of the race before any other car. Yeah. Nah, fam. Um, I'm going to say... <laughs> Gasly was the first person out of the last race. Is what I'm saying. At least you're keeping it in the Red Bull family. Yeah. Too, I'm not saying. This. I'm not going. I didn't say I was going for Gasly. I'm just saying that's who was out at the first race. Um, oh, it's a tricky one. I think it's kind of like you know whose car's gonna break. I'm gonna go. I think it'd be uh, Alpha Romeo. I'm gonna say Raikkonen. Kimi Raikkonen. And number of finishes, Chris. Hmm. That's a tricky one, isn't it? We had... It is. It is. It seems to have been sort of either one or lots this season, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. there's been a real swing, actually. I'm going to lean towards the not many side this week, and I'm going to say 18. Oh, you... That's where I was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> right, Stu? <laughs> yeah. I think there's going to... I'm the opposite line of thinking. I think there might be a few tangles this weekend. I think okay. that double chicane at the end is going to sort of cause some frustration yeah. and some close, very close contact racing. We might see a few suspension components breaking, things like that. Um, I'm going to go... The last race, there were only 15 finishers. Um, and that, that circuit is full of chicanes. Hmm. So, hmm. I am going to say 16 finishes. Okay. Because Chris stole my number, I'm just going to play on the fence and sit in between you both 17. and say 17, just to be different. Wise. Uh, and then, can, can you generate as a random driver for this race, please, Chris? I certainly can. It is Charles oh. Leclerc. Oh. Ooh. Oh, that's so that's difficult. Really tough. That is difficult. So, last race, he finished fifth. Yeah. It was quite circumstantial, though. He probably should have been sixth. Yeah. I mean, he gets a decent position as long as he's not involved in any incidents that cause a huge number of DNFs. But then, aside of that, he's sort of bottom end of the points, isn't he? Um, so, I'll throw my hat in the ring with an eighth. Mm, very good. Very good, very Thank, good, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> uh, are you complimenting my hat throwing or my guesswork? <laughs> um, bit of both. A bit, little from column A, a little from column B. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Stu? I'm going to go eighth is good. I'm going to have to go seventh because I don't, I don't want to do the same as you, so I'm going to say seventh. Yeah, I feel your pain there. And Chris? He's trying to get like a feel for where he's been finishing. The last five races, he's finished <laughs> four, five, six, seven, and eight. Not in, yeah. in that order, but... 
Oh, that would have been good if it was, well, not good, but there'd have been a pattern. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go slightly optimistic and say sixth. Okay, sixth for you. I think Chris has got a point on us there, you know? It depends on who the DNFs are, it doesn't does. it? It does, yeah. really depends on who they are. That sixth uh, so needs that... like a, another ropey race rock on and um, stroll. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I should have, I've got more retirements than you two. I should have gone lower. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Too late now. It's too late. Okay, it's too late. I hold my hands up. Uh, right, so that is us done for uh, for this week on predictions. If you'd like to join in with us, you can head to backofthegrid.com and register if you haven't already. It's always worth doing, even with just a few races left, because there is a prize if anyone manages to get five out of five on a single race weekend. So it's always worth entering. Uh, and we will cover the results and who comes out on top next week after the review. Right, should we mm. do some inbox, gentlemen? Yes. Yes, let's. Yes. Uh, keep it staying out. Uh, stay, stay out. <laughs> hey, man. Shall I go first? I'll go first. Yeah. Yeah. Liam McEwen says, what do you guys think of the revamped F2 and F3 schedules? I liked how it is, and I love seeing all three formulas on a Grand Prix weekend, but I'm open to seeing how it works. So for those of you who don't know, F2 is going to be reducing their season from 12 rounds to eight, but each round will contain three races instead of two. So they're going to be doing a total of 24 races throughout the season. F3 is reducing from nine rounds to seven, but also doing three races per round. So they're going to be up to 21 races. Both of them are going to continue to be F1 support series, but they won't both appear at the same race going forward. Every F1, well, not every F1 race, but all the F1 races that have support races will have F2 or F3, but never both. Um, It's kind of part of the cost-cutting measures they're trying to bring in for both those series um largely because a lot of teams operate in formula 2 and formula 3 so by splitting them up they kind of will allow teams to share the resources um it means less stuff having to be shipped around the world per team things like that hmm yeah okay. I'm, i see it i'm slightly disappointed as someone that attend races because I like being able to see both. Mm-hmm. So if I can only get to one race in a season and sometimes you're lucky to even do that, I'm going to be slightly disappointed. However, we get more races over the course of both seasons. If I work it out rightly, do we not? Yeah, it means there'll be 15 rounds now. We'll have one or the other as a support race. Yeah. And yeah, more total races across both of them as well. Yeah. So, I mean... It all, it also means that a weekend's viewing is a little easier because there are times where I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm just glued to a sofa watching <laughs> motorsport. I mean, I'm not saying I dislike it, but I'm just glued to a sofa watching motorsport from like 8 a.m. through to 6 p.m. <laughs> Saturday, well, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, depending on what I'm doing with work. Yeah. So, I mean... It's it has its benefits, but it also has its negatives. <laughs> so it would mean a little bit less of that. It would make it more consumable, I think, for for people. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well. Um, we don't know yet exactly how these rounds are going to work because currently there's one qualifying session for the uh, feature race, and then the result of the feature race determines the grid for the sprint race. And obviously, we've now got three races per mm. round, so we don't know 
how long those races will be, how qualifying works, stuff like that. So interested to see how that's figured out. But yeah, I think anything that helps cut costs is good as well. Like we've said it before, the F2 especially is way too expensive for what it is and what it's supposed to be achieving. So if it mm-hmm. makes it a more cost-effective thing for teams and drivers, that's got to be a good thing. Here would be a question. Do we know if they're losing any other sessions to accommodate for the extra race? We don't. Or does the fact that the other series is not there probably accommodates for it, doesn't it, I guess? I would guess so, but they've not really announced any of those actual details yet. Fine. I just wondered. Yeah. I mean, as long as we're getting talent through, ultimately I'm not bothered. <laughs> I, the more cars on track, the better for me, but as long as the talent is getting seen and brought through, I'm not overly fussed in what order it's seen and which tracks the scene at and i think it will probably help f3 get more of a spotlight on it as well yeah i think as things currently stand as you say like a a full weekend of f1 f2 and f3 there's so much to watch and if people are can only spend so much time watching motorsport they're probably going to prioritize f1 and then f2 so at least dividing them up there's probably going to be more eyes on f3 which is probably a good thing as well I know this is like completely separate, but have they said anything about the Porsche Super Cup that usually follows I've F1 as part of this? I've not seen that mentioned at all, actually. Because that's an FIA series, isn't it? Mm. But it's it just happens to follow the F1 around. I don't think it's properly linked in any way, is it really? No, because it tends to do like six or eight rounds in Europe, I think. They tend to have yeah. that on the calendar. But yeah, yeah I'm not, pretty... I, I don't think that's going to really change. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that, to be honest. Like, you can read the next one then, if you want to. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, for as long as I've been listening... Uh, sorry, Wesley Paul says, for as long as I've been listening to you, you've all raved about Turkey. <laughs> in, pre- in preparation for this weekend, I'm going to watch past racers, but wanted to Uh-oh. know why it holds such a dear place in your racing fan hearts. Serious question, as I have no memories of it. Um, who wants to go first? I've got a couple. I've got a couple. <laughs> It's because one time Bernie Eccleston said this is the greatest racetrack in motorsport <laughs> history. <laughs> I stand by everywhere, Bernie Eccleston. No, that's a lie. That is a lie. Um, I don't know. I genuinely do. It's a very early Tilka track, isn't it? Yeah. And I think maybe that's what it is. Like this, China, and was Malaysia another one as well that was his, I think? Or he had some involvement in? There was like three or four really early Tilka tracks that turn out really well and do generally produce good racing because of the the nature of them. And then they all just became a bit samey, samey and not very overtakey, overtakey. Yeah. Um, mm. Bahrain think, actually was another one of his early ones, wasn't he? He was, yeah. I think definitely like there's the Hamilton, obviously there's the Hamilton GP2 um, charge yeah. through the field is just epic to watch. Like you should all, after you've, finish listening to this podcast, go away and watch that on YouTube. It is fantastic to watch. Um, then there's, there's been so many occasions when just like big things have seemed to happen at that track. Like there was a time, I think it was 2008 during Hamilton's um, championship season where there was a real tight pit lane battle between those two cars, between mm-hmm. him and Massa. Um, and it looked like they were going to collide in the pit lane, but they were both talented enough to not allow that to happen. And and um, one of them came out on top. I won't say who. You need to go away and find out and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the Vettel-Weber incident. Yeah, 2010. 
2010 where the two of them collided. Yeah. Um, there's Jensen Button one year had an amazing charge through the field there. There's just so many. It's just such a driver's track as well. It's just such a really nicely flowing circuit that is really mm. good fun to ring the neck of a car around on any sim that you might yeah. have. So that's why I like it so much. I think that's the big one for me is that I love driving that track on sims. I think that that is it as well for me. Like I, I've always enjoyed watching it and watching the potential of a car, an F1 car particularly, being absolutely pushed to some of its limits in the past round there. Yeah. But then it's, even in a sim, you can drive around it and you can feel the sheer sense of speed and this the sheer sense of the forces and you just physically sat still behind a computer game. And I think in the way that a lot of the turns flow and, and present themselves to you as you're driving around it, you can feel some of that like visually, I guess is probably the best way of putting it. And I don't think there's many circuits that present that opportunity to you. Mm. And I'd say this is one of them. Yeah, it, it, it just ticks. There's a lot of circuits that are the drivers like driving. There's a lot of circuits that produce good racing. There's a lot of circuits that are good in qualifying all the race. And I feel like this track kind of ticks most if not all of those boxes um it just yeah. seems to produce interesting races and good wheel-to-wheel racing on a lot of occasions there's yeah and there's just like a lot of standout kind of memories from that circuit that have always stood with me i mean if you're going to go back and watch one 2010 is the one to watch that was a phenomenal race um it also stands out to me and i'm sure for you guys as well it was the last race jensen button won in his championship year as well even though it was only round seven yeah. that oh, year, yeah. it was the last race he won. He didn't, yeah. In fact, he only yeah. got on the podium twice more, I think, after that. Because um, yeah. everyone else installed the diffusers. Yeah, Barrichello got a couple Jensen of wins. Button, but Button and Hamilton had a real ding-dong around there one year as well. That was 2010 um, as well. Was that 2010? Yeah, Hamilton, tw- the 2010 Hamilton race had came out on top of that he one. Did, but yeah. like Button overtook him, and then I think he... I don't know if he let him back through or whether... Um, he just was overtaken fair and square on track now. I can't remember. But it was um me- it was Hamilton got the radio and said, uh, am I at risk of Jensen passing me? And the team said, No, you're not. And then Jensen promptly passed him and Hamilton had to like fight <laughs> his way back into the lead. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. it. And they were, they did battle, didn't they? They did yeah, fight. They had a prop, lead and Hamilton battle, like, yeah. had a yeah. elbows out and he and he took it. Yeah. Um that's another one. There's and just the it's that final chicane, that final double chicane just really generates great racing. If you look back through the ages of all the different races here, that final chicane is where probably 90% of the action that's ever happened at the circuit has happened. It's yeah. brilliant. And it's kind of designed in such a way that if you attempt an overtake into the kind of, at the end of that long back straight, whether you're on the inside or the outside, it means that the advantage of the line kind of switches backwards and forwards as you go yeah. through that kind of left, right, left complex. Yeah. Um, and then potentially lead you onto the main straight side by side as well. It's, I mean, yeah. you very even well see that through some of the fast stuff though, as well. Mm. Like you can, you can compromise your line in one corner to defend, but then you're going to be on the back foot um, on, on the following straight and, and vice versa. You can take, take a good line in the corner potentially get attacked but then you're going to get a better run than the other guy on the straight and so there's there's a lot of give and take i think all the way around the circuit i think the only place that that doesn't happen is turn eight which but we've already talked about why that's quite yeah. a 
an impressive corner anyway. So yeah. I love it. I yeah. really need to find a game I can drive it on after this. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, might, grid, I might set up the sim. I'm pretty sure Grid Autosport has it on most of their things. Yeah. I'll find you some, Chris. Don't worry. <laughs> if anyone else, and if anyone else knows any good ones as well, let us know. Because <laughs> I play a lot, but I don't play them all. Sax F1 says um, another circuit that looks difficult to overtake. We hear this every week whether the track is old or new how did we get to a situation where modern day cars are so long wide and heavy uh, are the cars the problem or the tracks for me it's probably the cars bit of both um, isn't it probably but i think this, i don't think this car will be I, I think we will you will see a lot of overtaking i think down that yeah, back I think straight so too. i think you're going to see a lot of overtaking here i wouldn't yeah. I'd, I'd reserve judgment until you've you've mm. uh, you've watched this race at least yeah I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think the problem is with the cars. I think it's just the way development's gone, isn't it? There's just there's more and more they've had to pack into the cars, um, and yeah. the way the aero is developed and stuff. It's, yeah, I mean, I mean like that. Do, you could do a whole episode on. I could totally, I could wax lyrical about how I <laughs> think the cars should have no aero on them whatsoever, and we should have active suspension mm. and stuff like that, and or or have all underfloor aero and no wings at all and make them look like a, some sort of hybrid between the sort of Formula E car and a classic 60s F1 car with the <laughs> sort of cigar-shaped you know, body. But they're just mm. you, obviously with the safety included in that somehow. Um, but that's sort of my design eye rather than my, uh, my common sense eye. That I'm just, <laughs> that's saying that. I, I think as well the thing to consider is that like, if you if you go back and take the the time to have a look at some of the older races around there, that that back straight with like the kink of turn ten or eleven, whichever it's officially called, the thing that's going to be nothing to these it's cars. It's just not yeah. a corner, and to yeah. these cars, that's not um, a corner. Yeah, but that that straight, you've got to remember if you go back and watch some of those old races in an era of less aero and no DRS. The, the slipstream was still massively valuable. Mm. So imagine what it's going to be like to these cars where they're punching such a big hole in the air because of the amount of like, of aero there is on the car combined yeah. with DRS. And that's what sets you up for that final chicane. I think they need to be very careful about where they, they position the DRS, but because you don't what you want what you want is it to set up the, the move into the chicane yeah, not have it not done before uh, the chicane I'll, I'll tell you where this DRS is just give me a sec I'm not looked close enough to know <laughs> speaking of um that that like right hand uphill kink I remember when they first went to this track uh, and in the the cars back then that corner was a little more of an event and people tried to catch on calling it faux rouge Faux Rouge, <laughs> lol. Um, it's so it's through turn eleven. The DRS zone starts just before turn eleven. Go, you go through, which is the kink you mentioned. Tom. Yeah, that's that's where. It, oh, in fact, no, we have had a we have had a year with DRS here, haven't we? Oh, yeah. actually, yeah, 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 yeah we was. have. 2010, yeah. 2011. Was the came in, or 2011. 2010 and 2011. So we have had it before, but I mean, the the images in my head are like sort of. Schumacher versus Alonso and and yeah. stuff like that. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm definitely thinking pre that. So we um, it's because as soon as you said where the DRS zone was, I remember driving it on like 2000 F1 2011 2009 maybe. No, I didn't. D- I didn't buy DRS Nintendo just... Wii just to play F1 uh, games. I'm not that dedicated. Oh, it was 2010. <laughs> it was. It would have been 2010. Yeah. I think 2010 was the year DRS came in actually. 
Yeah. So there would have been so. two races there. With it. So anyway, it, so just before the kink, so just before turn 11. Yeah. So that just shows you how little of a corner that is to uh, yeah. to a Formula 1 car, these, especially hmm. these days. Um, and then the, the, that, that's technically the second DRS zone. The first DRS zone would be the obviously the start-finish straight. Um, also, yeah. anti-clockwise, this circuit, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. One of, the, one of three, yeah. I think, on the calendar this year. Imola was the last one. Yeah. The, oh, oh, Abu Dhabi is Abu the Dhabi, of course, one. yeah. 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 Uh, there we go. There we go. So do one more? Mm. Last question this week from Ali Walker. Uh, I know this is very unlikely. If Hamilton doesn't agree a contract with Mercedes, who do you think would get his seat? The obvious answer is George Russell. However, both Mercedes and Williams have done a lot over the last month alone to reiterate he has one more year left in his deal. And surely any driver would leave their current seat to join Mercedes. So would there be a surprise pick? Mm. I think when Rosberg retired, that proved that having a contract isn't really going to stand in the way of someone having a Mercedes seat. Um, yeah. Like Bottas was very much under contract at Williams when Rosberg retired, but they wrangled him out of that. And I'm sure they'd probably yeah. do the same thing with Russell, wouldn't they? Yeah. I, don't, I mean, there will probably be clauses. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about one of the, the biggest manufacturers in all of motoring, not just F1. So I'm pretty sure they've got good enough flyers to mm-hmm. to have yeah, to get what they need they in place to get around that, that particular contract. So I think you would probably see George move up. Um, but if, he, if there was something like absolutely watertight that stopped him, give Hulkenberg a season, why not? Mm-hmm. Do it. Have the balls, Toto, do it. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, I mean, we talk, we're talking about Lewis Hamilton not renewing his contract. I don't think that's <laughs> going to happen either. Well, yeah, but... that's, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, don't I, to be, I don't. even. I don't even know if I've got time for this one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then again, no, I don't remember anyone predicting Rosberg retiring after he won his world that's championship. Well, yeah, but... you're right. You are right. There. You never like, know. That came as a big shock. But yeah, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Very much but... so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Realistically, I, I just, if it wasn't Russell, I think maybe they'd try and drag Ocon. Maybe even um, they get Stoffel back because he's te- technically oh, their uh, that's Dorn, reserve yeah. driver. I mean, no, in no offense to to this lineup that you're predicting, Chris, but that is not an eighth wheel constructors title, <laughs> in making, is it? No, Stoffel's not going anywhere though. Stoffel is going to win Formula E next season. I'm calling that now. Put your money on it now. Yeah, you heard it. Stoffel here Van first. Dorn, 2021 Formula E world champion and president, 2024. <laughs> that's that's a step up. You'll <laughs> <laughs> need to get his uh, citizenship sorted out pretty swiftly then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's anyway, it, it? <laughs> yeah, I think that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, if you have not joined the Predictions League up until this point, it's still very much worth doing because there's a prize every week. So you can sign up for free at backofthegrid.com and you will have until the beginning of Q1 to enter your predictions. So please go and do so. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us otherwise, you can find us on Twitter at backofthegridf1, uh, Instagram and Facebook, just search for Back of the Grid or also at backofthegrid.com. You can fill in a contact us form. We will speak to you again after 
what we are very much hoping will be a thoroughly entertaining <laughs> Turkish Grand Prix. Oh, I'm really, I mean, desperately hoping <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and if it's not, please um, be nice and we apologise. Yeah. God. So, yes, until next week, thanks for joining us and goodbye. 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 Be nice. Remember, be nice. Yeah. <laughs>